Welcome back to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian. And how are you feeling today, Mr. Jacob? I'm not too bad, Herr Jamal. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> am I German now? <laughs> well, why, why not? Would you like to be German? Do you feel German? No, I very rarely feel German. I feel like I'm the least German person you know. I'm like a, you know, five foot seven Asian guy that's like very non-German. I don't think you're the least German person I know. But who is the least German person I know? There's a question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can imagine you hoeing into a schnitzel. Yeah, maybe. I So actually, um, you know, for, for the first time ever, actually, at the start of the episode, um, that... Our conversation does remind me this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar, <laughs> um, and um, and yeah, they walked into that bar, and and in that bar was a um was was it was a Prussian philosophy teacher, mm-hmm. um and um and yeah, so he was sitting at the bar, and he was like you know kind of pretty upset because he's at a bar drinking his sorrows away, um and and they, you know, the Christian and the Buddhist go up to him and go oh what's going on what, what's why are you so sad? He's like, I, I, I he's love- a Prussian philosopher. It should be obvious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so, well, I, <laughs> My country no longer exists. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. He says, look, all of that, but also I, I, I lost my job at the university. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I just lost my job. And then, and they went, Oh, like, well, what happened? And he said, well, you know, that, yeah, I'm a Prussian and I'm a philosophy teacher. And they asked me to teach religion. And, and they're like, okay, like what was the problem with asking you to hmm. teach religion? And he was like, I, I had to tell them I, I can't. Oh dear. That was as bad as the other one. <laughs> oh, uh, do, do you um? Do you follow existential comics? Uh, I feel like I've seen a few of them. They're like twenty five hundred days without a can't can't pun. Okay, um, right. They're doing better than you. Who are now zero days? Zero without days one. without a can't pun. Um, all right. Well, so so now into the actual episode. I'm I'm glad and I got, got the joke out of the way first, first off. This yeah, time. correct. Because because this one is working a little bit different to other episodes that we've got. Often we'll talk about a an article or a topic that one of us has brought. Today Jamal has brought an article. But you've not shown it to me, Jamal. I haven't. You say that would ruin things. The, 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 the jig would be up if I, if I showed the article. But so first, uh, uh, let's just launch into it. Jacob, have you heard of the legend of Balaam and Josephat? Balaam, I know kind of as a name. Josephat, I'm aware of because we've kind of talked about him briefly on the podcast previously. Is this the same Balaam who got the donkey? Um, I'm 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 not sure. I because there's I, like a Balaam in like Genesis okay, twenty well, something. This yeah. could be Balaam who has a donkey. Yeah, yeah. and um, oh, Exodus. I, so yeah, anyway. it really is Josephat who's the main character of this story. But Balaam is a, is a is a side character. But the legend of Balaam and Josephat. Would you like me to tell you this? This please tell me the story. Ancient Christian I'll, tale. I'll sit back and hear the. Yes. So so this was um popular around the medieval West. Um in um. Yeah, so it, it, it was popular uh, in over about sixty versions um, in uh, in the main languages of of, of Europe, uh, and also into the Christian East and Africa. I was so it was it was pretty widespread for a long time mm-hmm. in, in quite traditional kind of if you think of like you know kind of like seventh eighth, eighth yeah century. Like what we call dark ages Christianity kind of sure. kind of thing right so it was very popular there, um, and it it's it tells us the story of according to a legend um, of a of a king in India. Um, so the, in, this king in India was called Abna, and um, and Abna was immersed in the pleasures of the world. Uh, and so when, when Abna had a son, Josephat, um, an astrologer predicted that uh, that Josephat would forsake the world and forestall, uh, essentially, yeah. He, sorry, the the, the the astrologer predicted that Josephat would would forsake the world. Right mm-hmm. now, 
Abner didn't like this. So for Abner to forestall this outcome, um, he ordered a city to be built for his son in which nothing ever went bad. So there was no poverty, no disease, like nothing was going everything bad. Was and in this city, everything was perfect. Um, but one day, Josephat made journeys outside the city. Uh, and so so on one of these, you know, occasions when Josephat was, was leaving the city, um, he ran into a uh, he ran into yeah, a blind man. And he ran into a horribly deformed man. And on another occasion, um, he ran into an old man like weighed down by illness, right? And and, and he realized that all, the, that all these things were were kind of were going to happen to him and were were, were going to be part of the world. Um, so as he experienced this spiritual crisis, this sage Balam, who was living in Sri Lanka at the time, okay, so different guy, did, okay, yeah, did different yeah, guy, can uh, confirm uh, uh, Balam from <laughs> Sri Lanka, yeah. Um, so Balam reached Josephat and and told him of the rejections of worldly pursuits and the acceptance of the Christian ideal and the kind of this Christian ideal of the aesthetic life. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Prince Josephat loved this idea, converted to Christianity, and began to practice the spiritual life of poverty and simplicity and devotion to God. Um, so, you know, and his father really didn't like this, right? So his father surrounded him with, you know, seductive women who really tried to tempt him and there's all sorts of different layers of that. And Josephat resisted the whole thing. And so finally when... Well done, Josephat. Well done, Josephat, right. He kept to his kept to his faith. And finally, when his, when his father died, Josephat remained determined to continue his aesthetic life and he abdicated the throne. Mm-hmm. He journeyed to Sri Lanka in search of Balaam uh, and after looking for two years, he found Balaam living in the mountains and joined him there in the life of asceticism until his death. Oh, and, beautiful. And, and, and that's the story of, of, of Balaam and Josephat. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, initial thoughts? Well, well Josephat's Buddha. No. Yeah. Really. I know. I I I, I might have known this beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is essentially it, right? That uh, the Balaam and Josephat is it sounds it, remarkably like our Buddha sounds, <laughs> sounds significantly like the story of the Buddha, um, and and so yeah, I, I guess the you know this is the story of I guess uh, you know the 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 the, the Saint Josephat who who was in effect the Buddha, but also I guess this idea. Of how these ideas travelled and how mm. you know even you know even way before anyone was aware of it, the you know, Buddhist ideas were embedding themselves in Christianity and finding a place and a, and a way to to actually you know to to, to be taught in, in in those places. Is it that Buddhist ideas were being taught, or were there like aspects of Buddhism that kind of jibed with Christian belief or Christian practices at particular times and? that there were just kind of ways that that was incorporated into into the faith and into the practice. I'm, I'm reminded of, um, I did a course a few years ago in world religions and um, we had a, an Orthodox theologian, um, so like Greek Orthodox, come and speak with us and he spoke about Buddhism um, and the things that he as a Christian kind of can learn from Buddhism and Buddhist practice, which was just really interesting. This sounds like just a way of kind of incorporating incorporating that and going like kind of what what jibes with christian belief and what fits is it is it good cool let's keep it like yeah and i think too in particular the focus here being on the aesthetic life and the kind Mm -hmm. of the almost kind of monastic austere life that the buddha led um and i think which was highly revered in parts of early christianity absolutely right and i think that the time in which this story was a big story for christianity uh, it was that time when when asceticism was was all the rage, right? Mm. It was a time when people were, were thinking that was the way to be closer to God. So that that seemed to have lined up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nothing found there at that moment. <laughs> nothing further. Um, no, another interesting layer here is that um, that actually, so we this probably first became, people first became aware of it uh, with Marco Polo. Um, so, uh, oh, okay. So, 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 when you, when you say people, you mean like Western people? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, oh, people became aware of the similarities between the two. I would, I would imagine that right, the Buddhists okay. probably didn't realize that there was a Saint Josephite either. Because Buddhism predates Christianity by what, like a, a thousand years? Six hundred years? Six hundred years? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I'm taking this all from a conversation article called "How the Buddha Became a Christian Saint," which is why I didn't send you the article because oh, right. it, yep. it had it in yep. the title. Um, but Marco, Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, Marco Polo. Um, in you know, around the year 1300, travels, uh, you know, uh, travels to India, travels to China, um, and and upon encountering the life of the Buddha, uh, he's he's said to have written, you know, were the were the Buddha a Christian, he would have made a great saint for the good life and pure which he led. Um, so he has that, and then in 1446. Um, uh, an editor of um, Marco Polo's books is uh, is reading through it and 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 notices and 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 writes down oh th- this is kind of like the life of Saint Joseph so it makes that connection kind of through jo- joins the dots joins the dots through, through the work of Marco right, Polo how do you know that the Buddha wasn't actually Saint Joseph and like lived later on and- well well I, I would say that in the in the kind of spiritual conception of things I would say the Buddha was Saint Joseph right like I, I think that. Um, you know, I, I I can imagine that there's some theological way you can have a saint that predates Jesus. Um, and well, I think you're in a lot of trouble with Moses or Abraham, for instance. Yeah. If you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, so I I think it's fine to have a um. I mean, again, the the, the fact that he heard the Christian teachings might have been a bit of a problem for predating Jesus, but but you know, I think this idea that um, if you believe in God and Christianity, then yes, the Buddha was a saint. That 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 makes sense. Doesn't though, like, because this this runs at like a, the an issue that we keep running back into, right? Which is like kind of Christian exclusivity in in some ways of like, can can you to like to what extent is belief or action kind of determinative of your relationship with God? Because I I would argue that the Buddha, at least from all of the teaching that we have from him in the historical record, is not really big on kind of worshipping and honouring God and certainly not you know, Jesus, obviously. Like that's we, we can give him a pass on that for now. But like the, this question of like can you be a, a saint or a like a holy righteous person in the absence of knowing God in some way, shape or form? And and Christianity would kind of say no, but then get around that sometimes by saying, well they you know the the Buddha knew God just didn't have the same kind of language yeah, to, to explain God as, as we might have. Because I would say that a lot of what the Buddha talks about as the law of nature is probably God, right? Like living in line with that and, you know, that that, that the way out of suffering is to, to live in line with the, you mm-hmm. know, with the way that nature is and to not, you know, want for things and run away from things that are that are inherently just part of that. Like I, I, to me that, yeah, it's not the word God, but I think, you know, for somebody that would have grown up never having any concept of God, I don't, I'm not sure how much you can fault them for not having <laughs> yeah. the right word. Well, and and like this, this is just like this is a challenge, right? Like of of what if people who have never heard the gospel, like yeah, you know, can they be saved? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and I think it goes to, and maybe this is me bringing in my core conceit here, which is 
Um, I think it was one of my initial pitches for the name of this podcast. You shut it down very quickly, but um, <laughs> but but this is one of my core things that I will I will stick to until the day that I, which is that I believe that Jesus was a Buddha. I I, I think there is this core thing that I have right this, this idea that like that. Oh, yeah, and, and Buddha is obviously a title. It's not an individual, mm-hmm. so it's yep. a bit easier to do this with Buddhism and with the title of Buddha. But because you know, Buddha can apply to multiple different people in um in multiple different bits, uh, different bits, <laughs> multiple different people in multiple different places, multiple different times, all that kind yep. of thing. Um, and so you know, um, yeah, I, I I firmly believe that Jesus was a Buddha. I, I think that Jesus probably became enlightened. It makes them, but is it like see this like. To, to hold that view, you have to superimpose your view on enlightenment and therefore kind of what is the correct understanding of the universe onto Jesus, who the historical record suggests didn't share that. In the same way as Buddha gives no indication of hmm. um, having a, a Judeo-Christian understanding of God. Well, right? so, but I don't think you need an understanding of enlightenment to be enlightened, and maybe that's it, right? That, like, that I'm... I'm not of the opinion that... But if you were enlightened, wouldn't you know that you were enlightened? And No, you, you might just realise that the truth of the world and realise you work have worked out the truth of the world. You might not have... Again, you might have that language for it. You might not, you know, okay. understand it in that I way. just kind of, like, had assumed that if you were enlightened, you, like, you would, you would know... Like, if you know the deep truth of the world, you would know that you know the deep truth of the world and that therefore that is this thing. Yeah, but you, you but what you call that is totally contextual, right? Okay, sure. Like, like, like yep. you know, whether or not you call that enlightenment or call that God is kind of, you know, for for a Jewish carpenter who goes off and... So in my opinion, if I think about the life of Jesus, what makes yep. the most sense for me was that he was a Jewish carpenter and then suddenly, but sometime before the age of 30, went off and meditated or, you know, got spontaneous enlightenment some other way and became enlightened and came back and suddenly had all this wisdom to teach right like it to me that that makes the most sense about how that story goes because like well you know what was he doing before then and like you know, how, how did he suddenly become the, the messiah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. but so you know um but, but yeah i mean for, for me a jewish carpenter who goes off and becomes enlightened in the forests then calling that God because that's the conceptual world in which they live in makes a lot of sense, right? Like that, yeah, for sure. And then goes on to teach lots of the things that are really akin to the teachings of uh, other enlightened beings that have taught those things in the past. So, yeah, to to me, Jesus was a Buddha, um, which I know that you have a lot of problems with. I'm not not quite buying it, but like it, it, there's this interesting conceit that that is actually present in the St. Jehoshaphat, story as well right um which which is that all religions are, are seeking the same thing right or all religious views are and i'm just like i think there's an element of truth to that because if there if there is you know if god does exist then it kind of makes sense that if you have a spiritual experience or a sense of god you're you're experiencing god in some way but i don't like different different religions kind of conceptualize that in different ways and for for all that the buddha can find himself being revered as a saint in medieval europe they're not teaching the four precepts or the um the the eight precepts and the four noble truths Mm. and 
those kind of core aspects to like there's there's a reverence for the asceticism which is a non-attachment but not the teaching of non-attachment and impermanence sure and and, and i'm not sure that the buddha would well i'm not sure many buddhists would say that medieval europe had many buddhas walking around in it right i think there's a i think that you know, I think even you, but like, but they had a, a deep understanding of God. Sure, like at, but, at least some people did. Well, right? yeah, but I, I, I would argue that even you would say that medieval practices in Europe were not completely in line with the teachings of Jesus. It depends which practices and where you look and when. Sure. And, and I think we have this um, kind of you know, post-Reformation conceit that the whole thing was just a, a diabolical, you know, crap show, which is. Not the case. Like there were, you know, there were definitely parts of medieval Western Europe and particular people and especially higher ups and popes and stuff who were quite far from God as as far as I can tell, right? But there were also a whole bunch of people who got it in inverted commas um, and, and lived faithfully. Like, I mean, Luther, who, you know, kicks off the Reformation, discovers that there was this guy that had a lot of similar ideas and similar critiques to him a hundred years ago that he'd never heard of because he'd been condemned as a heretic and killed. Um, obviously, not great for that guy, but like these are not, you know, it, it's... The, the historians talk about how the Dark Ages weren't actually all that dark and we, we can run into some of these conceits. It, anyway, sorry, that's a very well, long, no, no, boring it, aside. It, it reminds me a little bit. Actually, I'm interested to hear your opinions on this because like, I don't know a lot about it, but I have heard that um, there was a sect of Christians kind of maybe in a few hundred years after Jesus called Gnostic Christians yeah. that yeah. Um, looked a lot like Buddhists as well. Like, uh, Can you tell me what you know about the Gnostic? Like, again, like, so all I know is that like, you know, they have been referred to as kind of Christians that – probably may have been kind of Buddhisty, um, mm-hmm. and the Gnostics, yeah. you know, you know, kept a lot of the similar rules to Christians and wore brown robes and all these different things. But like do you do you know much about Gnostics? Well I don't know about the brown robes. I, I can give you a really like a thumbnail sketch. Yeah, yeah, please. Um so Gnostic is Greek for knowledge, um, Gnosis. And that they held that there were kind of secret teachings and special revelations from Jesus. Uh, the Gospel of Thomas, if you've heard of that, is often associated with this kind of school of thought um, and Gnosticism. So there's there's kind of secret sayings and secret teachings that only the, you know, the truly initiated or the, you could say, perhaps truly enlightened or those on the path to that know and understand. Uh, and they have a real, um, a, a real dualism between... Um, like matter and spirit and the spirit is good and God is here to kind of save our spirits and to rescue them from this world which is all matter then maybe there's a bit of attachment mm. thing going on there that we're kind of we're trapped in these fleshy earthy bodies in this fleshy earthy world and we've got these spiritual souls that really just want to escape and they thought that that's what kind of jesus was helping you to helping your soul to escape from the the mess of embodied existence yeah right okay interesting um I they mean, also had an interesting view of like old testament god is different to jesus yeah but that's its soul i mean whole different that thing. doesn't sound super buddhist i mean maybe a little bit there but um but yeah i wonder what those maybe the practices that mapped over so yeah I, I, again I, quite I possibly i don't have I, much of a source yeah. for this but yeah yeah um but no i, th- I think there are it, it, it's interesting when you see 
the various synchronism um, or syncretism rather and the kind of the ways that that, that I, I guess they, they bleed into each other, right? Because I, I think, you know, we've spoken about this a lot, how a lot of the teachings are very much the same, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, actually, I think, have you heard of, um, I, th- I think it's called King David or King Solomon's Ring, the story, the this two shall pass ring kind of thing, which is... No, so, okay, tell so, me about so, that. So yeah. there's an ancient Buddhist story, and I, I think it is in the Old Testament as a King David story. And, and, and maybe you can fact check that for me while, while I'm telling it. But, um, but yeah, so the, the story is that there's a, um, the, the, there's a Buddhist, uh, a Buddhist prince. Um, and, you know, he's completely, uh, you know, besotted by his emotions, no matter what's going on. Right. So, you know, yeah. he, when the kingdom's going well, he's having parties and yep. skiving off and just loving life. And when the kingdom's going terribly, he's completely, depressed and can't get out of bed and just doesn't like, you know, do, do anything. Right. Um, and the, the, you know, all the, the counselors around him, you know, one of them, like, oh, and we get this King to actually like, you know, maybe rule do a bit something. better, yeah, do yeah. something a bit better. Um, and so they, they make him a ring and they tell him he has to wear it at all times. And the ring says this too shall pass, which is the kind of the, the, the kind of the saying of a Nietzsche in Buddhism, this idea of impermanence that everything's mm-hmm. going to end. And the idea is that he looks at that ring at all times. So even when things are super good, he goes, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to pass. I, I better not party too hard and better plan for a rainy day. Yeah. And when things are bad, he goes, oh, well, you know, this too shall pass. I better not be so depressed. I, you know, you know, it's going to be okay. And that that helps, that that kind of constant reminder of the teaching of impermanence um, serves as a really a really great uh, tool and aid to help, you know, be a good and wise king. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in kind of Christian scripture as far as I'm aware. It might be like in like apocryphal Jewish texts or something like that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think I'd heard it as King David, but I but I wasn't. But I like, wasn't sure. There's an aspect of this, right? Like that when you, it's almost a assimilation, a cognitive bias in a mm-hmm. sense, right? Like if if you've got a, a conception of reality that you hold to be true. And you find someone, something else that doesn't match up or doesn't completely line up with that, but does seem to have a bunch. Like, how, how do you fit that belief system or that person kind of, how, how do they match with your religious view? I'm, I'm reminded at, at Easter, I had a brief conversation with a, a Hindu woman and was um, kind of explaining the resurrection to her right like that you know jesus is put to death but then the grave is empty and he's risen and that's new life and a new creation and everything and she go oh well that makes perfect sense that after death comes life like yeah, 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 yeah. right like I, I don't think that she was thinking about it in the same way that i was well, conceptualizing I, the, the resurrection right I, I think it's quite interesting um that like you know you see, you see a lot of that happening in hinduism um and probably one of the big reasons why christianity couldn't really take off in india in the same way it did in other um colonial countries right because when when the Christians rock up uh, and they go, hey, you know, you people of India, we, we have this Jesus figure. You should all mm-hmm. believe in him. And they go, oh yeah, sure, we'll just take him and put him on the statue next to yes. next to Vishnu, right? Like, yes. oh, you have a god here. You can come and join our gods. And like, it 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 doesn't contradict or clash with their religion enough to be something that breaks it, and there's something that has to like that you end up with this kind of conflict that leads to you know the Christianity kind of, you know, getting a foothold where it's like there's almost like a, 
you know, so the, the Hindus almost defeat Christianity by being too nice and just being like, oh, no, no, you Jesus, yeah, sure, come along, it's fine. But the, the, there's an interesting aspect to that. I think I think this is correct, that where Christianity does take off in India is amongst the lower castes and the untouchables and kind of those, those marginalised people within Hindu society, mm. which is just... It's just an interesting kind of sociological fact. If I mean a theological one as well, I reckon. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, are there are there things in Buddhism that? So yeah, going the flip side, are there things in Buddhism that you've seen that you've gone, oh, that, that that's super Christian? I think there there are aspects of that, like non-attachment and impermanence, strike me in that way, but to a point. And, th- and that point is the boy that we kind of mm. come back around um, consistently, which is that there there is some permanence and non-attachment is um, not because everything is bad, but because we get attached to the wrong things in the wrong ways. Um, so it's kind of a broken attachment more than a, a non-attachment. They're the, they're the kind of two biggest ones that strike me. There's a certain um, simplicity at some points in Buddhism, like I, I, I mean that in the sense that, um, like a, a kind of a single focus, a single way of viewing things. So not that, not that Buddhism is simple in the sense of like. Um, do you get what I mean when uh, I yeah, use simplicity you, in that you, sense? You, you, like I was going to say in the sense of non-complex, but no, it is in the sense of non. You, you, like you're not, you're not trying to belittle it, but it, it's, it's the use of simplicity as a, yeah, as a, as a descriptor rather than a judgment. Yeah, which I think is actually a, a really Christian um, way of seeing the world as well, right? Like to see all things in light of the one, um, as it were. Um, I, how, how about you? Are there aspects of Christianity that you see and you go, oh, yeah, that like... Yeah, I mean, of course, Jesus was a Buddha, so of course, <laughs> right? Like there's, there's yeah, yes, lots of it. Um well, and, and that's the thing, right? So I, there was a few podcasts ago, actually, you asked me to, um, was it yours at Tanya who asked me to like, you know, what, what is my conception of God? And I think my instinctual answer was, I don't know God. And then, yeah, it was Tanya. And then yeah. Tanya pushed me and said, oh, well, no, I think, I think you might know God. Like, you know, what would you describe? And I, I think that that's an interesting point there because I, I, I think she was correct there, right? In that I, I think I instinctively say that I don't know God because I don't know God in your conception of it. But like, mm-hmm. You know, everything you've told me about God and everything you've told me about Jesus are things that, you know, I can I can trust because I trust you, and the things that I can believe because I believe in the kind of the genuineness of your of your faith and of your approach, and also because I'm a spiritual relativist. Um, and you know, but there's a difference in believing that I believe them and believing that they are, right? Yeah, but but I I think I do both, right? I I, I do okay. I, I do I do genuinely believe in what what you tell me you believe, and if nothing, just off the back of that, you are a person that I firmly believe has experienced thing as you things as you've experienced, right? And I'm aware that there are lots of experiences in the world that I haven't had that are still true. Sure. Um, and so, so yeah, and so, and so I think so if I take if I kind of presume. God to be real on the base of that. And I go, okay, like, so you know, what is it about, what is it when Jacob tells me about God that is, what is God there? And what do I understand God to be in that context? You know, I, I, I can look at it and go, yeah, you know, like you talk a lot about love, you talk a lot about 
care and kindness. You talk a lot about compassion. You talk a lot about, um, you know, living in a way that is in line with this kind of in you know this clear directed intention. Um, you know, you talk a lot about, you know having a sense of groundedness and a sense of like understanding of the self and of the world. And like all of those mm-hmm. things are very Buddhist. So yeah, I, I probably do know God, but you know, in the same way that, you know, you know, the Buddha didn't have any language to talk about God. I, I don't have the language to talk about God in that way. Right. And mm-hmm. I think I probably do know even what you conceive of God to be. I probably do know that entity and that that kind of being but i think i describe it very differently and and i also think i experience it very differently and i you know it, it, it's a weird contradiction but i experience god in a way that doesn't have the existence of god right like that, that i i was gonna ask something about yeah. that yeah um, can you unpack that for us a bit more. Well, well, I mean, again, I, I think the things that you've told me about God, I do experience, but I experience through my perception of the nature and the way the world is and my experience of my own mind and of all these various things. And so, you know, I I think those things are God, right? I think we, I, I do fundamentally believe we are talking about the same thing, um, but it's just not personified for me, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. the, the, my experience of that doesn't have a a you know even so kind of you're you're talking about a phenomenon where i'm talking about a being in terms of the way that the the language that we use around that exactly right but i but i I, but again i think that's just a language difference i think that's just a and even if that language difference leads to an experiential difference i I think it is still the same thing where just you're experiencing it as a being and i'm experiencing it as a phenomenon That's that's a really brilliant way of putting it right um, you know, I, I I don't see much of a difference there. Mm, that that's really interesting. I don't I don't know what to make of this. I don't have a witty kind of comeback or something like that. It's just it's it's really interesting. Yeah, and and and, and Tanya, if you're listening, thank you for for pushing on that because I I do think it's probably at, in the moment when we were talking, I didn't fully understand. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I just lent into my natural reactions there. But I but I think the the point there is quite is quite profound, right? That I, you know, I think that, and, and again, maybe this leans into my spiritual relativism or maybe well, this leans into my, my Buddhist conception of things, but you know, I don't, I don't need things to be experienced in the same way for them to be true and relevant. Right. And so I'm just wondering in that, like, cause something I've said on the podcast before is like a, something I find profound about God as a, a person mm. rather than a, a phenomenon is at least for me that, that, is less abstract mm. as a thing, but I've I've said before that like well the universe can't love me right like if if if, it, if it's just this kind of amorphous theoretical thing that's out there. so how does the idea of like God as a loving being play out in well in did, what you were sharing no, oh, no there's, sorry there's it doesn't no need being, to be the right? being yeah, yeah, but yeah. but as as loving God is loving. So, I mean, so I, I can give you an experiential understanding of that. Um, sure. I, I don't know I have an intellectual one. Um, okay. Or intellectually, uh, there's a Buddhist concept of metta, of, mm-hmm. of loving kindness, right, mm-hmm. of um, of what it is to, to have unbridled love and compassion and kindness for all beings in the world. Um, to me, that's a phenomenon, and it's a phenomenon that I've experienced, you know, and there, there's, you know, to kind of try... To and kind of being in harmony with all... 
things in in a sense. But also, honestly, uniquely experiencing the meta of it and the love of it, right? So, like, um, to try and put some words around it, um, the the traditional meta practice kind of encourages you to sit and um, it's often referred to as, like, a kind of a white light that generates Mm -hmm. from kind of within yourself that when you can really deeply get into that practice you not only feel entirely to yourself, but you feel as kind of expansive throughout the whole universe. And like, and I have had meditations where I have sat and felt, you know, just the warm white light emanating from myself, but not just from myself, but like in harmony with the whole universe mm-hmm. in all different ways. And like just been completely immersed in that a phenomenon of mm-hmm. love, right? Um, and yeah, I think if you had experienced that, you probably would have said that that was coming from God and that, that that was associated with a being. And I guess for me, I experienced that as a phenomenon, as something that, you know, was just there and mm. was something that just occurred that wasn't tied to a particular being or a particular entity. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Jake is like, well, my work here is done. Jamal's a Christian no, now. No, not quite, not quite, not quite. There's a... There's a further kind of conversation to go down down that path, but I don't know that I have sufficient brain power. Yeah, for it's good it right that now. time. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, no, like, and I and I think to kind of to bring us back to um to to Balaam and Joseph, <laughs> we, we we we've wandered from a little bit. Um, yeah. So I mean, so it, it it's interesting, right? I I think you know, there's obviously the the very kind of historical way that it um. That that it goes through, uh, you know, it travels through Asia and through Europe, whatever else, um, which is you know, it's a much, much of a muchness. But but one of the statements I think this article makes, which I think it's interesting, uh, which I'd love your opinion on, um, to to finish this episode off, I think, um, it's, it says few Christian saints have a better claim to the title uh, of saint than the Buddha, and I, I think that that's an interesting concept, right? So like, l- let's say that the Buddha is a Christian saint. How does the Buddha compare to other Christian saints? Well, that, I mean, kind of depends on how you want to pass the title of saint, right? Sure. Like, so so saint is literally means holy one, right? And I, I think for... So there's two things here. The one is the kind of classic Catholic, to an extent, orthodox conception of saints and they're prayed to and they're, they're revered in particular ways. We're going to park all of that because I'm Protestant. Sure. Um, and... <laughs> In Protestantism, it's like, well, every believer is a saint because you're made holy by God. It's not your own righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And then there are kind of particular saints who are picked up, like people like Augustine, for instance. Um, like you could talk about St. Luther probably and, and whatever, like who are revered for their teaching and their understanding of God. Um, and and that's kind of the the reason that they're, like their books are still published and they're whatever. Um, I th- I think from the perspective of like living uh, a holy aesthetic kind of life, I agree with that in the Buddha. From the perception, of, from from the position of knowing God and kind of deep truths about God, I just I still don't quite see that. And I, maybe I should read. You know some more of the Buddha's teaching directly. I, I don't know if I, that would be so, useful, so, so, but like, and maybe that's something it, we should do in the future, right? Because I, I, you've, have, have you ever in, 
kind of directly read the Buddhist texts? No, not directly. No, maybe no. I'll try and find something for you. Yeah, like because because in the same way, like I I have read some bits and pieces of the Quran, right? Mm. Like, and and I would say that that is like that doesn't have to me. It doesn't have the kind of the same grasp of the the depths of God from what I would say from a Christian perspective. And you can you can chalk that up to like I would say that. But yeah, I'm 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 still not sure how far I want to go with this conception of like the the Buddha knew God, like to the extent to which that's true. Yeah. Okay. Um. Because, like, and, so, and again, so, this is this what, is what just about a, it. Well, this is just a classic thing of like, uh, is, is it your, is it your actions or is it your relational knowledge? that kind of, you know, your, your belief, your faith is the, the New Testament language around it that are critical. I would say that none of us, like none of us live fully in harmony with the universe, with the natural law that you were talking about before. Um, and the, the, the deep truth of Christianity and Christian belief is that God loves us kind of in spite of that unconditionally and fixes the brokenness of us living out of sync with the way that we were created to be. And a whole bunch of Christian teachers and others have given kind of great advice on how to live well more closely in sync with that, what we were created to be. But for for me, the answer to that is is actually living with Jesus Mm. And without that step of living with Jesus, it's like a, I, I can kind of find wisdom and depth here, but I don't know about saintliness. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. I, I, I disagree with you, but it makes sense. Sure. Like, You're I, allowed I, to disagree with me. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think for me, I, I, I think God is much more of a... Again, I think this goes back to a conversation we've had many times before, which is I I don't think God would care. Well, and and there's very possibly an extent to which, like, you know, the, you know, on the the day of resurrection, right? Like, Buddha is resurrected and sees Jesus and goes, oh, yeah, like, I get that. Like, I'm. I'm okay with that as a possibility. Like it's, yeah. I, I, yeah, and, and maybe, maybe that's it, right? Maybe what I'm getting stuck on is this idea that you have to have, like, again, to me, to me, Jesus is a brilliant vehicle and a brilliant teacher and a brilliant incarnation of God that represents all of what God intends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Again, maybe you said this before. Like there's one path, not multiple paths. I mean, maybe I just fundamentally believe in multiple paths. That like, I just I don't think you need to have. If you can, I think the easiest. Sure, let's take everything you say is true. Sure, the easiest way to get there might be through Jesus. But if you can get there a different way, I don't think that invalidates you being there. I I see. I would say ultimately that if you get there a different way, you get there through Jesus, even if it's not kind of in the the same classically christian recognizable way so we go back to like someone like moses right mm-hmm. who lives pre-jesus but there's a way of reading the old text old testament texts of looking at it and going oh okay when god was speaking to moses god was speaking through jesus like through christ um in this this idea that you know 
Christ, the the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, was present at the creation of all things. Like he becomes a human being at a particular point in time and walks the earth at a particular point in time, but but isn't limited by and to that. That's just kind of, I I would say that's the most concentrated appearance of God. So if that's possible for Moses, why is it not possible for the Buddha? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it it very possibly is, right? Mm. But then for me to... For me to see that more fully in the Buddha, I would want to see him pointing more actually towards God, which is which is a bit that I don't get. I get good teaching and good way of interacting with reality and everything else, um, but as, as opposed to you know someone like Moses or Abraham, say like I'm, I just I don't I don't see how he gets you to knowing God's love. Mm. If that, yeah. Yeah, no. Like that, that's a, I don't know, overly nuanced, uh, underly, <laughs> underly nuanced. Uh, that, that that's yeah. what we do here at Christian Buddhist Bar. Um, thanks for being no joke. Jacob. The joke was at the, the beginning. The joke was at the yeah. start, wasn't the it? Joke yeah, was at the start. That's no us. What do we do now? <laughs> we can wind it up with the wonderful music of Kevin McLeod, as always. We certainly can. Uh, you can get in contact with us if you've got questions, critiques, comments, answers, all of that stuff. Christian Buddhist Bar at gmail.com. Uh, we're recording this as always on none of all land as well throw that out there yes and uh, please uh, take this podcast send it to your friends and let them decide whether or not uh, Jesus was a Buddha and when they realise that he was or send Buddha it was a Christian hey. <laughs> see you next week uh, let me find another joke hold on hey. sure um, so I heard some people say Judaism isn't a real religion but personally, I think it is real. I'm glad that this isn't the actual joke for the episode. <laughs> <laughs>